0: Get an inside view of the latest private equity deals and the people behind them, and meet the people who make it happen. Welcome to Deal Junkie, cracking the private equity code. Host Kevin Fechtmeyer and the Deal Team six members interview company founders who have succeeded and some that haven't. Each show will feature lively interviews with company founders to find out whether there is a deal or no deal. Now here is Kevin Fechtmeyer and his team of experts.
1: Hello, this is Kevin Fechtmeyer, host of Deal Junkie, cracking the private equity code. I've got a couple great guests uh, this week to kick off the new year and uh, a lot of exciting things happening in the private equity market. Uh, uh, last year was yet another record year. We can talk a little bit about the statistics next week uh, when our associate's done compiling those, but let me talk a little bit about how this next uh This next episode will relate to private equity and how private equity investors are really focusing on the consumer segment. Um, Everyone knows that Amazon has become a huge factor in consumer sales online in just about every segment. And We've been fortunate enough to have two very well-experienced and expert, uh, knowledgeable guests on both fronts, both consumer and online. I've got uh, Paul Picard, who's a member of our Deal Team Six, and one of the leaders in our uh, in our community and, and helps our firm focus on consumer, restaurant, and related transactions. And he's got 30 years of experience in that area. I'll let him tell you about that later. And then we have one of our CEOs, Kyle Kantner, who's the president of Airwave. They uh, are a very fast-growing company in Ohio that has been making customized garments uh, on short turnaround time for some major online merchants. And uh, they've got a lot of experience in this area too. But uh, let's first talk a little bit about uh, the the market and the private equity market. And There's not a lot happening this week because everyone's just coming back, recuperating from their New Year's Eve hangovers. I think there's only been a couple days of rest, so I think that uh, the... The week will heat up with transaction volume later. We've only seen one deal today, and we saw virtually no deals last week. So typically, we'll see 10 to 20 deals at our firm, and probably 50 to 100 announced deals in both the private equity and venture capital markets. So clearly, uh, the first week of the year coming off of new year's is always the slowest um i want to make sure i do a proper introduction for paul here and want to make this very interactive as all of our shows have been uh, paul can you hear clearly on this line yeah i can great great uh paul i, I wanted to introduce you because i i think you're going to be a really great continuing guest uh on a number of shows that we have a consumer bent or consumer focus, in addition to your your manufacturing focus, want to tell uh, the listeners out there what your background has been and uh, where where your expertise has been online uh, as a result of you know the last five years of developments with Amazon.
2: Well, I've had a fairly long and um, interesting career in that um, I've worked in a number of different industries uh, and have been president or CEO of a number of different companies um, and uh, have the great opportunity to have worked uh, many years um, with a PepsiCo company, uh, which uh, PepsiCo, even today, is one of the few uh, businesses out there that really invests really put some real money into training and developing their employees, and so I, I really credit um, my career to all the wonderful training experience I got at Pepsi, um, including having been in their marketing department, um, and then uh, went from there to a company that's also in retail, which was Fleetwood Homes, uh, and actually uh, got some great manufacturing experience there, uh, and then moved to uh, another company called National Pen, uh, which we'll probably talk quite a bit about. Um, I got them into uh, Internet marketing uh, back in 2001. Um, and back in those days, um, the URL for your website basically drove all of the search engines Um uh, and, I, and I've seen um, internet marketing develop since then. Uh, so I, I was in on the very early, early days of internet marketing and have watched it change to something that's almost unrecognizable back in the Stone Age. Wait, uh, well, Let me
1: take a step back. back. You, you skipped over what I thought was a pretty impressive piece of your resume. Um, uh, this was uh, the McKinsey uh, consulting group. That uh, how how would you compare the, the, the experience you had at McKinsey before you got to PepsiCo?
2: Well, um, M- McKinsey's great. Um, certainly, every MBA in America knows who McKinsey is, um, but a lot of uh, a, a lot of potential listeners may not. Um, McKinsey basically takes your business school education. Um, and puts it into hyperdrive. Uh, and so you, you go from uh, two years of MBA to what I would consider two or three years of uh, postgraduate graduate work. Um, and um, you really were some of the smartest and most capable people in the world at that point. Um, and then uh, I guess directly related to that, um, the uh, pathway from uh, McKinsey to Pepsi uh, is a pretty well-worn pathway. There's a a lot of uh, former McKinsey people at uh, Pepsi, and I have to credit a lot of my successes and promotions at Pepsi uh, to some of the uh, former McKinsey people that I had the opportunity to work with who viewed me as kind of one of their mentees uh, within the organization.
1: Boy, I wonder if McKinsey's feeding people into Amazon at this point, given the size of the firm.
2: Oh, yes, yes. I know that for a fact. There's a ton of McKinsey alumni uh, at Amazon. Um, there's been quite a lot of work between the two, which I'm not supposed to say, uh, but I think it's pretty well known. Um, and then, uh, uh, there's, been, you know, obviously, there's an awful lot of uh, now senior directors at McKinsey. Uh, who remember uh, Jeff Bezos from Wharton Business School. So there's mm. tons of relationships there. Uh, also, uh, McKinsey has uh, an exceptionally advanced uh, digital marketing practice. So uh, just a little advertisement for McKinsey. I just came from their alumni Christmas party about a, three weeks ago. Um If you can afford their rates uh, or if you're a really big company uh, that isn't prepared, which is the the bulk of their business at the moment, um, you you would be well advised to uh, hire McKinsey to help you with your digital strategy because it, it really is a very different world than, say, what GE used to live in. Uh, And GE is a really good example because they've been struggling lately because, frankly, they just don't have a very good digital strategy.
1: It's pretty amazing how the the whole metrics and terminology has changed since you and I graduated from business school. And I know you struggled with sort of a second, third tier school at at Duke, but, you know, they compensate with a great basketball program. But, uh, you know, obviously your star, shone Brightly, right after that. So, you know, we... uh, we appreciate uh, you know having people from all backgrounds here on the show, and by the way, everyone gets teased about their alumni status here. So don't think I singled you out, Paul. But uh, I'm, not, we... I'm not
2: worried. <laughs> um, <laughs> having been in uh, uh, Kansas for a long time, which uh, uh, has its own big basketball program, I, I can tell you that it is very, very lonely being a Duke alumni, Duke basketball supporter. Uh, in Kansas City, which is only thirty minutes away from KU.
1: Oh yeah, no, that's that's a religion there. It's not basketball. It's a, it's a sport. It's a religion. But uh, we, 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 uh, as we move on to the topic of online, I. The point that I had made that one generation, I think that, that literally the language and the terminology and the metrics have changed entirely because of the digital revolution, and and how that's impacting consumer companies is really the topic of the show. And you know, a lot of smart people have kind of grown up, getting educated in one set of circumstances and some in some different uh, kinds of firms and successful firms, and now the game has changed. And. Uh, a company that started in uh, Jeff Bezos' garage is now influencing decisions across the Fortune 500, and uh, including the company we're about ready to introduce you to in the next few segments. But um, what I would say is, um, we used to do investments in retail based on sales per square foot and, you know, pot, you know density within certain population centers and you know foot traffic and, you know traffic patterns where retail locations were cited and now that whole analysis has been turned upside down in terms of you know, how you create and sustain a brand online and then how do, you, how do you invest it? How do you make a deal out of it when somebody with a relatively small amount of capital can have a kind of a hit on YouTube one day and find out that they've got millions of, of potential buyers in a, in a matter of days? And uh, that, that that kind of game-changing technology is really what the subject of today's uh, discussion is going to be with a you know a, with with a very accomplished executive who's been able to to navigate successfully his uh, his business. Um, and again, Paul, as we talked about earlier, we're not going to dive into some of the real detailed metrics uh, that are confidential, which you know we've you know been asked to by our clients to, to stay confidential. But I think we can talk enough about it to give. Uh, other entrepreneurs out there uh, a relevant resource and a, and a reference point as to how to guide their business, maybe how much to spend or where to spend or where not to spend it uh, maybe some hints that, uh, that that create for the average business some some way of leveraging it, some way of creating sales and value and frankly it it becomes an issue of survivability um, yeah that's, and again, that's for sure um, I, I you know what you you, you kind of brought
2: back an old memory, actually, when you were talking about the metrics of foot traffic and sales per square foot and those kind of um, what I'm going to call location-based metrics. Uh, Because back when I was at Taco Bell and we were looking to build a new restaurant, um, those were all the kind of metrics we looked at, and, and those were all very, very important, and later... Uh, As an investor, we invested in a company called Pizza Hut um, as a franchisee, not as the franchisor. Um, And it was going pretty well. um, But one of the things that caused us to sell uh, the company uh, was that, frankly, we just didn't feel good about their digital strategy. Um, and this was back. We, we sold in 2012, so this was six years ago.
1: This was a, you were as a franchisee, correct?
2: Yeah, we, we yeah. owned the, uh, all the all the Pizza Huts in Cincinnati and Dayton at one point. Um, right. And and, and honestly, um, we felt that the folks at Domino's just were developing a better digital strategy, and so we sold. And yeah,
1: we've well, uh, we got about we've got then, about. But before we get about 15 seconds before the commercial break, I want to continue this because I think it'll be highly relevant as we get into the pizza wars, how that relates to the apparel wars. And, yeah. and I think when, when we introduce Kyle, that that's going to be a very interesting comparison. Um, so, so hold that thought. And we're going to have a, just a, a quick commercial break in five, 10 seconds here, and then we'll be back. And I want to con- have you continue with that.
3: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
4: Hi, I'm Rebecca Costa, host of the Costa Report, every Tuesday at 6 a.m. and again at 6 p.m. My guest this week was Secretary of Housing and Urban Development under President Clinton, Mr. Henry Cisneros, who will be here to talk about 13 trends which make investing in real estate in urban centers a sure bet. Don't miss Henry Cisneros, this Tuesday at 6 a.m. and again at 6 p.m. on the Voice America Business Channel. Tune in to the
0: soul of enterprise, business in the knowledge economy, with co-hosts Ron Baker and Ed Kless. Ron and Ed will show you how to recognize that wealth is created by intellectual capital. It's all in the possibilities that we can create and that are created for us.
5: are listening to deal junkie to reach the show today call in to 1-866-472-5790 again that's 1-866-472-5790 you may also send an email to questions at cavecreekcapital.com now back to deal junkie
1: Hello, this is Kevin Fechtmeyer, host of Deal Junkie, Cracking the Private Equity Code. I'm back again with Paul Picard, a member of our Deal Team Six, who is in the middle of explaining the pizza wars. And I think there's a lot of relevance to what's happening in pizza is is in apparel and other segments. So um, because it's a topic we all know, love and eat, um, let's start with that. Paul, continue with your discussion of Pizza Hut versus Domino's.
2: Yeah, um, it's basically uh, for people that don't know uh, about pizza, uh, the pizza wars are quite similar to, back in my even earlier work history, uh, the cola wars, um, in that cola is dominated by uh, uh, Coke and Pepsi, uh, and in the pizza world, uh, the pizza world is dominated by Papa John's, Pizza Hut, uh, and Domino's, uh, and back uh, at the time we owned our Pizza Huts, um, uh, Pizza Hut itself generated almost as much sales as Papa John's and Domino's together. That's mm-hmm. not the truth, not the case now, um, and the, it all really, in my mind, comes down to a vastly superior. Uh, digital strategy by uh, Domino's Um, and Papa John's is trying to catch up and has done a better job than Pizza Hut Uh, and then just recently uh, Pizza Hut has announced some really major investments because they have finally, finally realized that um, uh, technology and the internet and most importantly in the pizza wars a good digital app on your phone is the most important thing for winning the pizza wars which is what Domino's had for a long time and other people didn't realize Uh Um, and then the other thing Domino's does (laughs) that um, Amazon they learned from Amazon um, is they, they track big data and so they actually track everything you have ever done from every place you've ever been on your phone. And they, they keep it all in a huge, huge, huge database. And they know that you order pizza to watch football every Sunday. And if you forget one Sunday, you get a really big coupon the next day for a big discount the next Sunday because they're assuming that somehow you ordered from somebody else. And it's amazing the level of what I'm going to call big brother technology um, that Amazon in particular uses. Uh, That's one of the uh, reasons that they quote-unquote give away so many rich, rich features uh, in Amazon Prime because they know that you're always going to log in via Amazon Prime and then that way they can track everything you do including all the stuff that you put in your cart, but then don't buy.
1: Well, there's a, we could have a whole session on just the pizza wars and, and it's exciting. I, I did accidentally interrupt you on your discussion of national pen and some of your background, because I know you've got a very broad and deep background in multiple companies and many of which were transitioning to digital and, and, and have been some successful, some less successful. So, if, let's go back on that train of thought, and and I want to finish up your background, how you got involved with you know, National Pen and, and other companies with digital strategies, and then we'll dive into uh, Kyle and Airwave and how they're working with uh, Amazon in the next segment. Sure, absolutely.
2: Um, so keep in mind, this was in uh, 2001 when I was at National Pen, and then I left there and um, in 2004 to uh, run a company called American Identity. Um, and there um, we decided to also get really big into the Internet, um, but in a very different way. Um, National Pen was more like consumer marketing to try and get people to your website. Um, and their average order size is quite small, uh, less than $100. Uh, in comparison, American Identity's average order size um, is north of a thousand dollars, and they focus very much on uh, a small number of very large customers. Uh, mm-hmm. One of their taglines is that uh, they have three hundred of the five hundred fortune of the Fortune five hundred. Um, and then, of course, uh, we sold them to Staples, uh, and so the company is now Staples promotional products. Uh, but as far as I know, they still sell the majority of their product the way we did uh, when I left there. And it wasn't this way when I joined. Um, but uh, we actually generated uh, custom websites for every single one of our customers. Uh, so uh, just using an example, um, an IBM employee would click on a link uh, from their intranet Uh, And it would take them to a website that would appear to be an IBM website, and then they would be able to order uh, all sorts of promotional products, including custom products uh, from that particular website. Uh, And and to the employee's perspective, it would actually – they would think they were on an IBM website. But that website was actually hosted – uh, by American Identity, uh, and that was revolutionary at the time, um, in particular because uh, we went from having a very large uh, customer service department taking all sorts of orders, entering into a computer, but taking orders over the phone, uh, to actually getting our customers to do their own order entry. Mm. Um We would still confirm everything uh, over a phone, but it would just be confirmational, uh, because one of the things we quickly learned was even if they entered everything on their own and approved it all, if we went ahead and uh, produced it the way they ordered it, sometimes their order entry skills weren't the best and they would get angry at us and we'd have to uh, uh, take the order back. So we felt that we Found out very quickly that it was still worthwhile to confirm the orders uh, before we produced them because sometimes we, we would they would ask for it to be on the, the logo to be on the left shoulder and they really meant for it to be on the right shoulder or you know something along those lines. So we just always did a verbal confirmation, which I, I think they probably still do. Uh, although customers nowadays are so used to doing their own customer service on the internet. It's becoming less and less true, um, particularly with like airline tickets and things like that. Uh, it's It's hard to actually get to a live person.
1: Yeah, yeah, confirmation emails are how a lot of these people handle it. I get those from Amazon all the time and, and any other online merchant. we've We've clearly you know gotten to a whole new level of understanding with this next generation of of consumers and you know, our experience goes back to you know the, the pre-internet days to the internet transition days and now i think we're fully steeped in, in, in online consumerism and it's interesting to see where, you know, where where things are trending as a result of that increased customer sophistication and you know where the you know, the, the demands customers are placing on online merchants and you know how as we'll see, maybe Amazon's forcing a lot of others to keep up. And uh, to, to the extent that you start to leverage Amazon and use their distribution channel, you know we're going to get into some of this with, with Kyle. but you know, why don't you speak generally about um, where you see Amazon forcing more change in certain segments than others? and talk a little bit about your experience as you were managing these companies, and, and and Amazon's impact on them, if if it was, you know, prevalent then.
2: Oh no, it's uh, it it's significant. Um,
3: uh,
2: I mean, uh, malls all across the United States are slowly dying, and um, a lot of it has to do with. And I'm just going to call online retailing, um, uh, and, and just. Uh, personal experience from uh, this most recent uh, Christmas season. Uh, I waited a little bit late, uh, went into the Apple store, Apple's store, to get Airbuds uh, as a Christmas present, and they were out of stock. Uh, and so, said, Oh, no, it's going to be 14 days. <laughs> um, so hunted around and, and was able to. Uh, Uh, buy them online uh, from uh, Best Buy uh, who apparently had more inventory than even Apple uh, and and got them sooner than that Um, but just generally speaking it kind of turned me off on even going back to the Apple store Mm -hmm. Uh, obviously if I needed some technical support of some kind being there live is very helpful Uh, but even Apple uh, who I think is one of the best direct marketers out there um, even they're probably going to start closing some of the number of stores they have mm-hmm. if they
1: can't keep their stock up. Well, in the last minute here, what what segments are responding effectively and what segments are, are getting crushed by Amazon? Because you mentioned Best Buy, and they've come back, as you mentioned, quite strongly. And, and people were nervous three, four, five years ago. And Boy, they've come back in the last couple of years. Uh, well, well, they have in
2: a big time. But I, if you look, it's because they've been focused on um, the uh, uh, the internet. They've done. They've got a stellar uh, program with a frequent buyer program where you log in and get uh, credits. Um, I mean, they're doing all the things that Domino's and others are doing, and, and they're able to compete. Um, and then uh, uh, I, I, the dark horse candidate that I think people are going to be really surprised at the numbers. The numbers aren't out yet, uh, but I think people are going to be very surprised at uh, Walmart's online sales. Mm-hmm. They've been investing pretty aggressively. They've hired some great talent, or they acquired, I should say, they've acquired some great talent with Jet.com, um, and I I think. Um, Many, many retailers out there, um, I won't name names, uh, are going to get squeezed very, very tightly with um, the Walmart versus Amazon um, squeeze. Uh, Mm -hmm. And one of the things that Best Buy does very, very well um, is you can go online, shop uh, online, find exactly what you want. Um, and then you can get free in-store pickup, and so wow. you get you get one no no charge for delivery. Hey, but, pa- but Paul, dude, I'm sorry,
1: let's let's can I, I think we're just running out of time here. Um, but I want to continue this thought and segue into Kyle coming on in the next segment because this is highly relevant to how um, apparel companies and other companies use Amazon or don't use Amazon. As, as a, you know, compared to the competitive alternatives. So, yeah, and then so how's that, that visible to the consumer. So, sorry, yeah. uh, next uh, next segment is, we'll know, you talk can about edit
2: that. Down stuff. You can edit down stuff and edit up where, uh, as you need.
1: Yeah, we will. Cool. We're, we're past the 30 seconds. Aaron, are we good or, or? –
3: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
4: Hi, I'm Rebecca Costa, host of the Costa Report, every Tuesday at 6 a.m. and again at 6 p.m. My guest this week was Secretary of Housing and Urban Development under President Clinton, Mr. Henry Cisneros, who'll be here to talk about 13 trends which make investing in real estate in urban centers a sure bet. Don't miss Henry Cisneros this Tuesday at 6 a.m. and again at 6 p.m. on the Voice America Business Channel.
0: Tune in to the soul of enterprise, business in the knowledge economy with co-hosts Ron Baker and Ed Kless. Ron and Ed will show you how to recognize that wealth is created by intellectual capital. It's all in the possibilities that we can create and that are created for us.
5: you are listening to Deal Junkie. To reach the show today, call in to 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to questions at cavecreekcapital.com.
1: Now, back to Deal Junkie. Hello, this is Kevin Beckmeyer, host of Deal Junkie, cracking the private equity code. I'm here with Paul Picard, uh, who's discussing the Amazon versus Walmart. Uh, that That's an exciting thing, Paul. To continue with what you were talking about before the break.
2: Yeah, well, all I was going to
1: say is that there's going to be some companies that get
2: squeezed basically to death uh, between the shootout between Walmart and Amazon. You've got two huge retailers, both with uh, resources, um, I believe, personally believe that uh, Amazon bought Whole Foods as a defensive measure against um, Walmart and that they're going to start uh, doing uh, the same thing that Best Buy is doing. Uh, and specifically, uh, Best Buy has really regained a lot of market share within the electronics arena by offering free in-store pickup. and. So basically what uh, Amazon is going to do is uh, they're going to have a section within the Whole Foods market where you buy all your hard goods and electronics and all the other stuff that's in all their distribution centers. Um, And they're going to do very regularly, you know, multiple times a day deliveries from their big distribution centers to Whole Foods. Um, And that's going to put the the same kind of squeeze on uh, other people uh, that you have now, Walmart, Amazon, and Best Buy doing. Um, And that's going to mean that uh, companies that aren't very aggressively investing in Internet technology, they're just going to go away. So at some point, Sears, Kmart, some of these guys that just aren't investing in growth, they're not, they're not only not going to grow, they're going to die.
1: Well, we've, we've got uh, one of the companies that's succeeding and taking market share with us today. Um, uh, Paul, you, you and I were both you know, lucky enough and, and uh, happy enough to invest with uh, Kyle uh, Kantner, who is president of Airwaves. <laughs> And we'll let him talk a little bit about his background and his company. But I, I think just to set their orientation is that if you're an investor in private equity and middle market companies, this is a, an area you just have to know. And particularly in anything dealing with the consumer. And this experience is going to be uh, you know, very valuable to, for you. And uh, with that, uh, Kyle, I want to you know, let you kick off and tell us a little bit about your background and, and your company.
6: Sure. Thanks, Kevin. Um, so glad to be on and uh, talking a little bit about Airwaves and about how we've uh, succeeded in the e-commerce marketplace, um, particularly in Amazon. So my background is in fulfillment primarily and um, making logistics work internally inside businesses. So I was lucky enough to work at my family business uh for about ten years, my, my father's business, learned a lot there, and got to do a couple cents at other companies, and then invested about nine years ago in Airwaves. Airwaves was a uh, really a screen printer at the time, and struggled for a couple of years to um, find their way in the online marketplace w- in a changing world. Um, and so we we took a we took some chances and moved online with almost the entire business, so almost 100% of our business is online at this point. Um, We pride ourselves in delivering a quality product on demand in about 48 hours, so we are constantly designing, merchandising, and marketing into various marketplaces, um, graphic
1: T-shirts and apparel. Well, Kyle, step back again one one more time with your background because I, I'm curious. How did you get the education and the experience to compete? You know, at the level you're competing with some very, very significant customers in this area, and what what, what was the most important thing or background that that you learned?
6: Um, so, I think the most important thing is uh, just an ability to adapt and learn as quick as possible and be as light on your feet as possible. So um, if you were to go back three years and just look at the survey the market and survey the way people were selling online, it's totally different than today. So um, having an open mind and really one of our core principles here is innovating every day. So we innovate with what we're doing, what we're selling, how we're selling it every single day. And um, it's critical that any business that's going to succeed needs to to
1: really do that. Um, how how, how did you learn how to do that? I mean, it's it's uh, you've got a lot of talents, and but you didn't invent those. I mean, what what was your college, your company background, so, training? What what were the skill sets that were critical in that process? Sure.
6: Well, you know, I'm a University of Denver graduate, so uh, we we're not quite Duke, but. Um, <laughs> Maybe we are <laughs> right up there,
1: um, we, can all, so, we can only hope for our children yes
6: <laughs> Yes. Um, so you know I think it's uh it's really just a mindset, and you know my my parents were entrepreneurs, I kind of joke um, that I was born an entrepreneur and trying to find a way to make you know money selling things and um, really it's it's just it's a mindset of adapting and um you have to you have to be looking at the marketplace every single day. So I literally wake up, especially um, when you're in the busy season of fourth quarter when we're selling a lot of product. I'm waking up at two or three in the morning checking sales, and you have to you have to live it 100 um, percent of the time. So um, there's no there's no real hours off. Um, you have to be excited about it every single day and every single minute. So. Um, if you're not excited about it, you know I'm not sure that the mm-hmm. online uh, e-commerce business is for you.
1: Um, what, what amazed but me is also, that you had—didn't you have like fifty thousand SKUs you're managing for one customer at one point? It was pretty amazing.
6: Yeah, it's it's much more than that now. But uh, our business—it's um, really—it's a math-driven di- business and it's data. So we um, we have probably three hundred thousand SKUs available on the internet at any one time and um we don't we don't make anything until it's sold so on a normal day in we may sell 15,000 units and we make 15,000 units and we ship 15,000 units so we need to keep building our uh, our portfolio of products out there and uh, making making product that people want so um the the key to this is just volume and um, having a good eye and having a great team here um, that's constantly innovating.
1: I remember hey, Paul. Can, Kevin, pu- Kevin oh,
2: can I chime in <laughs> about the apparel market in general?
1: Yeah, I was going to ask you exactly that. Go ahead.
2: Um, so I'm going to quote. Uh, from the December 18, 2017 uh, Business Week. So if anybody wants to quibble with me over these numbers, quibble with Business Week, not me. Um, Apparel is a $275 billion business uh, dominated by companies such as Amazon, Walmart, Target, Macy's, Um, I mean, these are big companies with lots of locations. Um, uh, And then obviously there's some that are, uh, you know, uh, up and coming, uh, you know, H&M, for example. There's others that have, you know, kind of what I'll call niche markets. Um, uh, But the thing that uh, uh, has been forecasted by Wells Fargo uh, in their um, stock Uh, tracking area um, is that when the numbers come out for 2017, uh, they are expecting that Amazon is going to leapfrog TJ Maxx and Macy's to become the second largest seller of apparel and footwear in the United States. And it's Wells Fargo's estimate um, that 40 cents, 40 cents of every dollar spent on clothing and footwear just online, so not, all, so, so not including the location sales for TJ Maxx, uh, that 40% of every online dollar in that arena will be through Amazon. So their, their power in the uh, apparel industry
1: um, is phenomenal. Wow. Well, I, I don't know enough to quibble with you, Paul, but I'll let Kyle, what's your thoughts on that? Oh, I think that uh,
6: we're in an age of retail disruption where we're seeing companies uh, that are being disrupted in significant uh, ways. And uh, I read a report this morning online that, that's, that an analyst was uh, making a prediction that Amazon would actually buy Target this year which um, you know if you would have gone back four years I, I think it, everybody would have said that was crazy but I, I almost think it's reasonable I, I think that they're here to stay I think that from a consumer standpoint myself personally I'm buying more from Amazon than ever before um, my friends and co-workers are as well and I think it's, uh, it's the way of the future I think in
2: um, my opinion it might be wrong Uh, If I was going to recommend an an acquisition to Amazon, um, it would be uh, Sears and Kmart and just rebrand them all Amazon, turn them into mini Amazon distribution centers and do the same thing Best Buy is doing um, uh, because um, it would be really, really cheap. Um, I did want to throw one more thing in about Amazon uh, that would help. You've got 30
1: seconds to do so. Go ahead. Uh,
2: Amazon Amazon has grown over 50% in the past three years uh, by focusing on sizes other than mainstream sizes. So um, in a lot of cases, if you're looking for a women's plus sizes or a men's 5X or things along those lines, you just can't get it anywhere else but Amazon.
1: Well, that's, that's a good segue to our last uh, segment, which is going to be focused on you know, how do we work with Amazon or where does Amazon become a, an enemy in some cases? So we, we want to save that for the next segment. And, you know, Kyle and Paul, will start with that uh, you know, in just a few minutes.
3: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global.
5: Each week on CTN, CIO Talk Network,
0: In your business, are you on top of your PR game? PR is what tells your story. Whether it's the business itself, key people in your business, or showing your best face to the public, listen for the brand ambassadors. Host Merritt Hamilton-Allen with co-host Gary Potterfield will discuss effective presentation ideas, building your personal brand, risk management, crisis communication, and more. Focus your business goals and PR resources. Listen live Fridays at 6 a.m. Pacific Time, 9 a.m. Eastern on Voice America Business.
5: You are listening to Deal Junkie. To reach the show today, call in to 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to questions at cavecreekcapital.com.
1: Now, back to Deal Junkie. Hello, this is Kevin Feckmeyer, host of Deal Junkie, cracking the private equity code with our last segment here with Kyle Cantner, president of airwaves and Paul Picard, one of our deal team, six members. And I think they're going to address the most important question that uh, the show is really focused on, which is how do you work with Amazon and and where do you draw the line and don't work with Amazon? Uh, Kyle, if you could let us know where, where have you been successful with Amazon and where hasn't it worked and and just tell us how you make that decision. Sure. Um,
6: So, Airwaves. We uh, were selling primarily graphic um, T-shirts and apparel on Amazon, and we found success at being uh, on trend and very timely with Amazon. <clears throat> um, first of all, I'd like to say that you know the Amazon business can be your biggest customer, or it can't. You can manage them how you want. Um, they have more reach than anybody else in the United States, I think, in retail, and they're, they're very easy to work with. Um, they, they will do what they say and say what they do. So um, read all of the information about Amazon very carefully and follow their rules, and you're going to be fine. Um, they pay on time, and uh, they can be a terrific partner for you growing. So what we focus on is uh, trying to be first to some key niches on Amazon, whether it's um, a topic that might be trending really, really um, heavily on Twitter, we might make a um, a funny t-shirt around it, or, or a uh, women's shirt around it. Um, so that's what we focus on, and that's where we've been the most successful. The... The one thing I'd say about Amazon is the competition on there is fierce. So when something does hit, uh, you can be guaranteed that there'll be other people selling the same product or similar product in a short amount of time. Um,
1: but uh, what, yeah, what, what, I, what I've heard is that uh, you know some people have not been successful because the companies who, am, who, who advertised and started to sell the minute the products got hot, you know, the market was flooded. And so they either had to cut prices or accept lower sales or ultimately it it was almost like a beacon for competitors. Um, talk a little bit about that and how you differentiate yourself. Yeah. So um,
6: what we focused on is um, the quality of the product. And in our industry, you, you buy the components to the, the shirt or the design or the, the finished product. Um, mainly through distributors in the United States. So um, it's very competitive, and it's you primarily have a blank T-shirt that you start with. That's your blank canvas. So the way you differentiate yourself, differentiate yourself is through um, better product, better quality um, designs, um, better colors that are not necessarily available. So we've grown our business to a certain size and scope, that we're able to basically import our own blanks um, and market product that is different than everybody else. So we're we're adamant that visually merchandising is what wins the war and um, having the right trend and the right color set on a, a graphic T-shirt at the end of the day is the one that will
1: rise to the top. When you get a customer from Amazon, do they then become... Potentially your customer, too. Do you get their email and shipping address and create a direct relationship? Or does that relationship always stay with Amazon?
6: The the relationship always stays with Amazon, and that's uh, written into the contract that you have with Amazon. Uh, it's actually illegal and frowned upon to direct market with um, with your product as you're shipping it. Um, it, you are truly a, uh, a a vendor for Amazon. In our case, we drop ship for Amazon. We do not go through their um, their fulfillment centers. So um, we we are we're sending a package directly to the Amazon customer.
2: Mm-hmm. Kevin, if I could add on to that, um, loyal Amazon buyers always stay loyal to Amazon. Um, it, it's a fallacy that some entrepreneurs talk themselves into that somehow by selling on Amazon, they can get those customers to become their own.
1: Yeah, I just I wanted to get that point out because I heard exactly the same thing and I know there's a lot of misinformation in the market around that. What what advice would you give to other young growing merchants who are considering selling on Amazon?
6: Uh, protect your intellectual property. So. There's multiple ways to do this on Amazon. um, You can register your brand and if you've registered a a trademark, which is what we'll do, um, we have multiple trademarks that we sell under and multiple brands. We register them with Amazon and that allows you to maintain the ownership of your listing. If you don't do that, what will happen is you'll have folks literally from all over the world selling on your uh, your UPC which mm. is uh, that's where it becomes sticky and that's where it becomes more competitive mm-hmm. so they can they can literally hang on to your your listing and undercut you in yeah.
1: price UPC is Uniform Product Code is that what, what's that that's stand correct. for okay I just want uh, to make it other intelligible with some of the average listeners there yep what what would you think is going to happen? Looking out a couple of years, it's pretty amazing statistic Paul just gave us about the growth of Amazon in apparel. Um, you know, my personal belief is that <clears throat> we're going to have market segmentation, dramatic market segmentation, which will dissipate some of those sales gains. But uh, for from Amazon, but that may not be the case. I mean, I I don't know, you know, where. It makes sense, you know, in today's market as a as a vendor to consumers. How specialized do you want to be? What what strategy works if you're not going to be one of the big guys, Amazon or Walmart? What what works in in, in the middle, if anything?
6: I think it's uh, constant caring for your customer and uh, constant innovation. So Amazon Amazon can be your best best friend. Um, they're easy to work with. Same for Walmart. Our strategy is to work with them all um, and offer a different product on each one. Mm-hmm. Uh, they do not like to be competitive with the same product on multiple marketplaces. Um, so the uh, the, business is, the business is out there, and unfortunately or fortunately, whichever way you look at it, this Amazon monster that's being created is uh, – it's great for entrepreneurs, and it's also very devastating um, to a business uh, if you don't play by their rules.
1: So, does it does it add to your sales over the long term, in your opinion, or is it just net yes, zero? Yes. You're moving. It does. Yes, it does. Interesting. Well, that's good news from a lot of perspectives, um, because uh, I hate to say it as an entrepreneurial investor. Um, we tend to invest in companies that are taking share from, you know, older, uh, more established firms that have an older business model. And uh, it sounds, you know, you've done that in spades. You've had an enormous success growing your business many, many times over in the last seven years, and it's worked for you. Uh, Any last comments or thoughts in our last minute about working with Amazon and what, what you would do differently or do more of or do better in the next year? Go ahead. So what I,
6: so what I'd do uh, differently, I think, in the future is, I would, um, I'd continue to monitor closely what our competition is doing and how they are um, utilizing our intellectual property. It is a uh, full-time job to manage the listings and to defend yourself on Amazon. I think that that's that's probably the key thing is um, understanding the policies and understanding the laws and um, managing yourself because it's a very, very competitive marketplace.
1: Mm. Well, that's very good advice, very thoughtfully said. Kyle, thank you for your time. Paul, thank you for your time. And uh, once again, uh, an episode of Deal Junkie, Cracking the Private Equity Code, and something every private equity investor should know if they're investing in these segments.
0: Thank you for tuning in to Deal Junkie, cracking the private equity code. Be sure to join Kevin Fechtmeyer and the Deal Team Six for another edition next Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a nice week.